Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Nehemiah chapter 9. Free to use table of contents if you need to, Nehemiah chapter 9. And as you're turning, I want to welcome those of you in Arlington and Loudoun and Prince William and Montgomery County and those of you online. And I want to give you a heads up that wherever you are, any one of these locations, in this room, online, you're going to need something to write with and something to write on for our time together today. So everybody's going to need this, whether you're at home or any of these locations, and no matter how old or young you might be. So kids in this gathering, I want you to be a part of this too. So if you don't have anything to write with and write on, I want to invite you right now to feel free to get up from your seat and go to wherever in the room where you are is has some paper and things to write with. So here in Tyson's, that's at the tables where we have the Lord's Supper elements at different locations. That's in different places. Hopefully that's either been pointed out to you right now or it's being pointed out to you in this moment. Uh, if you're at home, find something online. Uh, Find something to write with, write on it. And I should mention, as, as you're moving around, that you can use a device if you have one to write on, but I know how tempting it is to use that device in so many other ways. And I really want to encourage you to use paper and pen unless you have profound discipline to be able to not do anything else on that device during this next hour or so, unless it's an emergency. So let's, let's put aside the distractions for a minute and just be with God. That's the goal of this. So if that device is not going to help you toward that goal, then don't use that device. So I was, I was praying about how to best encourage us right in the middle of these 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're actually a little over halfway Reminder, there's a ton of resources at mclanebible.org slash prayer. And there's a place for you to share stories about how God is moving in response to your prayers. I encourage you to do that in a way that will encourage others. But coming in today, my mind started going to all different kinds of passages in the Bible that teach us on prayer and fasting. I did a secret church on this years ago, uh, one Friday night. So tens of thousands of people around the country actually around the world, like spending six hours, we walked through 125 different passages on prayer and fasting. So we got plenty of material here. But the more I was praying through what would be best for us and most honoring to God, the more I thought, we don't need, just need to talk about prayer, like another sermon on prayer. We need to pray. We need to set aside at least one Sunday and we gather together during these 21 days to just pray. In addition to what we did, uh, for those of you who were able to be a part of Friday night, which was awesome, I was so encouraged by the number of people who were here, at least for the first part, and then start kind of uh, making the way out at different points. But then for that group that made it all the way from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m., a little after 6 a.m., like that last 30 minutes, you just can't. There's nothing like, I mean, you're a little delirious, you're, but you just spent all this time, like you have, you've said more than I want sleep, I want God, and, you, and by his grace, you've made it. I mean, maybe it dozing off here or there, but, but you've made it, and it's, uh, 
I just, these are my favorite times in our church family. So, uh, so anyway, that was Friday night. But for us, when we're all together, obviously not everybody was able to be a part of Friday night. So when we're all together on Sunday to seek God in prayer. So all this started to come together when we got to Nehemiah 9 in our church's Bible reading this last week. And we read about a powerful time in prayer that God's people had right after they'd finished rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. So here's what I want to lead us to do. We're going to read through parts of Nehemiah 9, and we're going to see how the people of God were praying then on that occasion. And then we're going to do, a couple plus thousand years later, the exact same thing now, to pray in the same ways they were praying. And here's the reason for the paper and pen. As one of your pastors, I am an avid, avid proponent of journaling. So writing out reflections and thoughts and prayers before God. I look back personally on walking with God for almost 40 years now, and I can say without question that the times I have experienced closest relationship with God Deepest intimacy with God have been times when I have been actively journaling, actively writing out thoughts and reflections and prayers before God. Going back all the way to when I was a teenager and someone encouraged me to do this. I wish I'd started as a kid. It's something we do with our kids. It's why I want to involve kids today. And for many years now, I've done this pretty much every day. So this is how, with rare exceptions, my Every morning begins. And confession, I I actually don't use paper and pen. I I use computer or my iPad. Heather, she's still old school journaling with that paper and pen. But today, I want to personally encourage you to consider making journaling a part of your everyday life and walk with God. So I don't have a verse, to be clear, where the Bible says you need to journal. So this is not a command from God. I do have verses where God obviously calls us to pray, to meditate on his word, to reflect on his word, examine our lives as we do. And I find journaling to be really helpful That in that my, my mind tends to wander a lot when I'm spending time with God. So writing out my thoughts, my struggles, reflections on God's word, then turning them all into prayers before God is extremely helpful helpful. Dawson Trotman founded the Navigators, a ministry known for disciple making when he founded it uh, years ago. He said, thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips and the pencil tips. He's just, it's a helpful discipline. So just in case even the idea of journaling seems foreign to you, I want to show you how easy it is by leading you to do it today. And in the process, lead us to pray. Right now, as a church, as the people of God assembled before God, not as spectators sitting back watching a performance of people singing or speaking, we are participants. Worship is not a spectator sport. It's a participant's activity. So important. Not a spectator sport. i got to tell you real quick. Real quick aside, so I'm coaching uh, my nine-year-old in basketball, and yesterday we're walking into the gym, and my super kind, sometimes even shy nine-year-old, as we're walking in, 
says, I mean, just looking straight ahead as we're walking in, he said, it's time to crush some kids' dreams today. <laughs> so I was like, what? And I just started laughing. And so I was like, all right, buddy. And so we got in there, and true to form, last second buzzer beater, he knocks it down, and we win the game. So drop the mic. Crushing kids' dreams. I had to give him the sportsmanship award for that. Like, that's like, <laughs> anyway, so. Why was that? Uh, not a spectator sport. Worship. Not, so, that's not, we're not coming into an event here to, like, look at people on a stage, watch them doing something. Like, you're not the audience here. He's the audience. And you, we're participants, all of us. So we're the gathered people of God, and it's even unique in all these different locations where we are gathered before him. So I want to lead us as the assembled people before God to pray to him together, not just me praying, all of us praying together. Now, final thing I would add before we dive in is that I realize not everyone here has a relationship with God. And I'm so glad you are here or watch it online, if, if you don't have a relationship with God, like, I am so glad you're here because God wants a relationship with you. Amen. God has created you for a relationship with him. All of us. Problem is, we have all sinned against God. We've turned aside from relationship with God, separated ourselves from God. And if nothing changes in our lives, for eternity, we will be separated from relationship with God and all all the good things that only come from his hand and, and ultimately himself. But the good news is God does not want us to stay this way. God loves us. God loves you so much that he has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price for sinners, to pay the price for the sins of anyone who will trust in him. He rose from the dead so that no matter who you are, or what you've done by placing your faith in God's love for you in Jesus, trusting him with your life as Savior and Lord of your life, you can be forgiven of all your sin and restored to relationship with God for all of eternity. And I want to invite you to do that today. Like this could be the moment, the next few moments, where you enter into relationship with God that will last forever. So I'll point that out particularly when we get to a time where, where that kind of faith, I've prayed God would bring it alive in people today. So some of you at the same time may not be there, may not be ready to place your faith in Jesus. So writing out a prayer to God doesn't make a lot of sense to you. And if that's the case along the way, I'm going to encourage you to write something different that I hope might be helpful for you in your faith journey. So, all right, with all that set up, let's do this. Let's start by reading Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1. Picture the scene. On the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with, and with earth on, the heads, on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book, follow this, of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. 
For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. So let's just pause there and get this scene. Uh, they stood up in their place. Like imagine, okay, I'm saying everybody stand up at this point and I'm going to read from this book. So just read from the word of God for a quarter of the day. So now we, we don't know if that's like strict quarter, like six hours or is that more like daylight hours, quarter of daylight hours, maybe three to four hours? So at least three or four hours, all they're doing, they're standing and someone's just reading the word. And they're not just standing there kind of bored. You look back at Nehemiah chapter 8, like they're lifting up their hands, they're bowing down on the ground, they're shouting out amen, like this was a participant's activity. Reading the word. And then what, what happened after that? For another quarter of the day, for another three, four, five, six hours, they made confession and worship the Lord their God. For three, four, five, six hours, they were confessing their sins in worship. What a scene. They knew worship wasn't a spectator sport. Like Maybe that's one big takeaway, even from today. Whether you're at one of our locations online, if you're online, gather in person as soon as you are able. This is not a show to be watched on TV. Like this is, this is for us to come together as the people of God. And even when we come into a building like this, not to walk in, like just kind of sit in a chair, observe a show, maybe look at your watch every once in a while, walk out. Like it's not worship. It's not what God has designed you for. No, come into a church building, gather together with the people of God with anticipation, like get here early, be ready to engage, to sing, to lift up your hand, to shout, to worship, to experience God. We've gathered to experience God in these places. Together, to sit under his word and receive it and to respond as we do. So be engaged from start to finish with all your heart and soul and mind. This is worship. Now, keep going. On the stairs of the Levites stood, uh, a bunch of guys, we can't pronounce their names, but they're very important. And they cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. And the Levites, Joshua and uh, Joshua and some other guys said, and here's where they start to pray. Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You preserve all of them and the host of heaven worships you. Oh, so here's where they start with praising, exalting God for who he is. Just fixing their eyes on him. You alone are the Lord. There's no one like you. So this is where we're going to start. And this is right in line with our pray acrostic that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. And it's what we're going to use today as we walk through this chapter. So P, praise God for who he is. And that's what I want to lead us to do. So get out your pen, paper, whatever you're writing on. And I want to give you a couple of moments to write out specific prayers of praise to God for who he is. God, I praise you because you are. Those kinds of prayers. And I want to differentiate here between praising and thanking God for things he has done in the past or in our lives. We're going to get to that in a minute. But right now, for the next couple of minutes, 
Just praise God for who he is. Picture uh, if I'm in a conversation with my wife and I, I'm saying, Heather, thank you for doing this. Thank you for all that you do here. Thank you. So, so yes, that is, we're going to get there in a minute. But this is looking into my wife's eyes and I'm like, you are beautiful. You are. And so I just start filling the blank. This is who you are. This is what we're saying to God. Yes, we're going to talk about what he has done. Let's praise him for who he is. Think about his character, his attributes, his names, and just write out prayers of praise. If you don't yet believe in God during the next couple of minutes, I just want to encourage you to write out what are the reasons you think you don't believe in God? So spend time reflecting there while followers of Jesus we're writing out prayers of praise. And kids, again, I want to invite you to do this, even if it's just a sentence or two, or you can just write, a, just whatever you want to do along these lines, just to write out different names or attributes of God. And even if somebody can't read or write today, feel free to draw that which expresses what's on your mind during these times. So let's pray right now through journaling. And as you're writing in all the places where we are right now, prayers of praise are just going to be rising to our God. Let's fix our eyes on him and right now just pray prayers of praise, writing them out before him. Go for it.
I know we're focusing on writing these prayers down individually, and we're not going to do this with everything we write. But I do want on this one for us to voice some of these prayers out loud. So can we do that all at the same time? And when I say out loud, I mean out loud. So not, this isn't like we're not at a golf event. Uh, so this is not a, a polite clap. This is, a, this is us declaring with our voices, God, you are. So I want to invite us in this room, at every location, all at the same time, just this picture across Metro DC and where others might be, like just us at the same time, out loud. And you've got, you've got material right in front of you. And then if you just keep going. Uh, as we pray, let's just cry out these prayers of praise to God. God, you are. God, you are. So, uh, all right, let's go for it right now, all together at the same time. Oh, God, you are loved. You are mercy, full of mercy. You are peace. You are just, God. You are kind. We praise you, oh, God. You are sovereign in control of all things, sitting on the throne over all, Lord of history. You're Lord of creation, Lord of your church. You're Lord over it all. You're the creator who knits us together. You're the sustainer of our lives. You're all wise. You're all generous. You're generous with your wisdom. You're generous with your love. You're generous with your mercy. You're generous with your faithfulness. Generous with your kindness, God. You are slow to anger, quick to forgive. You are holy, O oh God, in all of these attributes, O oh God. There's no one like you. Oh God, you are all these things, all these things we are declaring. You are and so much more. You are infinitely more than we can imagine or fathom with our finite minds. There is no one like you. You are perfect in all your ways. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory, and we praise your name. All the gods of the nations are idols. You made the heavens. You are Lord over them all. There is nothing in this world, O oh God, that compares with you. Everything pales in comparison to you. You are our life, our joy, our great reward. And we lift our voices and turn our eyes and our hearts toward you in praise. Oh God, we praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. I'll go ahead and warn you, none of these times are going to be long enough. None of them are going to be long enough. So, uh, all right, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So still under this banner of praising God, I want you to see how they move from praising God for who he is to praising and thanking God for specific things he's done throughout their history. So look at, look at verse 7 in Nehemiah 9. Listen to this. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram, brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans, 
gave him the name Abraham. Now, start to see all the things God has done. You found his heart faithful before you. You made with him the covenant to give to his offspring the land of the Canaanite, Hittite, Amorite, Perizzite, Jebusite, and the Girgashite. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted arrogantly against your fathers. And you made a name for yourself as it is to this day. You divided the sea before them. So they went in the midst of the sea on dry land. You cast their pursuers into the depths as a stone into mighty waters. You, by a pillar of cloud, you led them in the day. By a pillar of fire in the night to light them for the way in which they should go. You came down from Mount Sinai. You spoke with them from heaven, gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath, commanded them commandments and statutes and a law by, your, by Moses, your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger, brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. You told them to go in and possess the land that you had sworn to give them. This is so awesome. They're just going through praising, thanking God for specific things he has done. And it keeps going on and on and on to show all these attributes, his love, his mercy, his grace, his justice, his righteousness. We know you are these things because we've seen you do these things. We've seen your goodness in our lives in all these ways. So let's do that. And I want to encourage you to make this as personal as possible. So let's write out prayers of praise and thanksgiving for what God has done. God, I praise and thank you for, and you just fill in the blank. And I, again, let's make this personal. Things in your own life. How has God shown how is God showing his goodness in your life? And then, if you don't yet believe in God, I want to encourage you to write down things you're thankful for in your life. Just write down what you're thankful for. It's always an interesting exercise when you start to wonder for some of these things who, who you're thanking. So everybody else, though, let's lift up Right now, as we write them down, wherever we are, prayers of praise and thanksgiving for all the ways God has shown his goodness to us. So go for it. You before the Lord. and just So specific prayers of thanksgiving, just writing them down wherever you are. Go for it.
Oh God, we, we could, if we would allow ourselves the time, literally do this all day long. End of the night and the next day, the next day. We, like, we realize we, we deserve to be in hell right now. It's where we should be. And here we are uh, together with you in relationship with you. And we have water and we have food and warmth and a million other good gifts that we so can easily take for granted. Breath. And, and even if all those good things were gone, or even our breath was gone, we are so grateful. We'll We'll still have you. Amen. That to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. That we have eternal life with you and all the good gifts that flow from you forever and ever and ever. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus, we thank you, we praise you for making all of this possible. We thank you for dying on a cross for our sin. We thank you, praise you for rising from the grave. You didn't just split a sea in half. You tore the curtain in half that made the way for us to come into your presence and be with you forever. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you even for hard things that we wouldn't plan or would prefer not to have even, like, for how you use even those things. We saw last word of the week in your word. Thank you for your word. Second Corinthians 12, thorns that you're using for good purposes in our lives. So we say thank you, God, for your promise to use all these things to work together for the good of those who love you and have been called according to your, your purpose. Thank you, God. We give thanks in all circumstances. We're so thankful. And this is not even, this is just in our own, each of our lives, looking back at what you've done in history like they were doing here in Nehemiah 9. God, make us a grateful people. As we say to you, all thanks and honor and glory be to your name for the myriad ways your goodness is on display in our lives. We know every good gift comes from your hand. So we say together today, thank you. In Jesus' name, and all who believe that said, amen. 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 This is so good. This is communing with God together. So, so keep going. Nehemiah 9, 16. But, now, what we're about to read, here's a couple breathtaking realities. Follow it. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders you had performed among them. 
but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and you did not forsake them. Did you see these two breathtaking realities? They're both signaled by this, these butts at the beginning of the verses. So one breathtaking reality, how despite all of God's goodness, we have still chosen to sin against God. Why have we, that they act presumptuously and stiffen our neck? Our ways are better than your ways, all right? Our ideas are better than your ideas. And did not refuse to obey his commandments. Refused to obey and forgot. They weren't mindful. They forgot the wonders God had performed among them. This is not just their story. This is all of our story. And we could keep reading throughout Nehemiah 9 here. We would see this kind of language over and over and over again. And it's not just they and our fathers. It turns into we. We have acted wickedly against you, O God. But, second breathtaking reality in these verses, but you are a God ready to forgive. Gracious, merciful, slow to anger. Like we are so quick to anger. God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He doesn't forsake those who follow. Look to him. Praise God. We are quick to sin and he is quick to forgive. But God, our God, is gracious and merciful that he's slow to anger toward us and abounding in steadfast love for us as we look to him. So let's do this. So moving on in our prayer acrostic from praise to our repent, to confess our sin before God and by faith in Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us, receive the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of God. That's what I want us to do for the next couple of minutes. I want us to write out prayers of repentance, ways we have sinned, confession of sin in our minds, our thoughts, our desires, our motives, our words, our actions, our decisions, confess struggles with sin. Some of you did this on Friday night when we were gathered together in this room. I want to encourage you to do it again. Confession is not something you kind of do once and kind of move on from. So what else might there be that God wants to open your eyes to? And And so this is really personal between you and God as you write this out. So don't look on somebody else's paper. That'd be sinning. You'd have something else to write down. So don't do it. Just between you and God. And and even as you're just writing there, you're like covering it up. Like even if you get to a word, it's like, man, I I don't even want to put that word down. Like there's just like 
So that's fine. Like get to that word, like put a star or something, like God knows what it is. That's the whole point. Be honest before God. Confess our sin. And let's do this specifically, believing that as we do, God is ready to forgive. So let's write out, God, I'm sorry for. And as you write out these prayers of repentance, and it might be confess this, that let's receive God's mercy and forgiveness. May it just flood over you. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this is that moment where I want to invite you to make this the time when you say for the first time to God, I'm sorry for my sin against you. And right now, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And he, you will forgive me as I put my trust in him. You'll restore me in a relationship with you. I want that right now. Like, write that out during these couple minutes. So right now, let's write out prayers of repentance. And for all who place their faith in Jesus, and just let God's grace and mercy through Jesus flood over you as you do. Go for it. Write out. God, I'm sorry for it. God, I confess. God, I repent of.
Oh God, uh, sadly, th this time is also too short. You are holy and we are not in so many ways. And again, if we would allow ourselves, uh, we could spend a quarter of the day here easily, individually, collectively, in all the myriad of ways we have acted presumptuously, stiffened our necks, and refused to obey your commands, lived like our ideas and ways and thoughts and desires better than yours. And we've forgotten your wonders and turned aside from you the fountain of living water and turned to broken cisterns that don't hold water. Yet we praise you in light of all these specific things we have just written out. We praise you that you are slow to anger and ready to forgive. Jesus, we praise you for taking every single one of these things upon yourself for all who trust in you. And so I just proclaim that over your people today in a way that couldn't even happen in Nehemiah 9 because they were looking forward. But we're looking back and we know what you have done on the cross for us. How Jesus, Father made you, had no sin to be sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God. So with all these things we have written, we just believe, 1 John 1, 9, when we confess our sins that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that as a result, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I just pray that over all, all the people, your people who put their faith in you, that they would not feel the guilt of these sins, the shame of these sins, that they would know guilt is gone, shame is gone, that they are dressed in the blood-bought righteousness of Jesus, that they have the honor of Jesus, they have his righteousness credited to them, that we are your sons and your daughters, your children, welcomed into your presence, not with shameful heads, but with lifted heads and your arms around us abounding in steadfast love for us all glory be to your name oh god for your grace and your mercy and your love so make us quick to confess we pray knowing you are quick to forgive all glory be to your name oh god for your grace and mercy in our lives, individually and collectively as your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people who agree with that say, Amen. Amen. And so we keep going. Now it just starts to make sense. See, God, who, who he is, what he's done. Oh, what have I done? God, forgive me. This, and, and then to begin to realize I'm welcomed into the presence of God. So we praise, repent, ask. Like, oh, 
Like every kid knows what it's like to go to a parent to ask for something. Like I, I, I want this. I, I, I desire this. Like, so we, we have been welcomed into the presence of God the Father to ask. Let me show you this in Nehemiah 9, 36. Behold, we are slaves this day in the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy its fruit and its good gifts. Behold, we are slaves, and its rich yield goes to the kings whom you've set over us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and our livestock as they please, and we are in great distress. You see what's happening here? They're crying out to God for help. We are slaves in this land. And we're in great distress. We need you. We need your help as we pray. Now, obviously, the circumstances are not the same in our lives, in this room today as God's people, but the core need is exactly the same. We need God's help. You know, some people say, like, religion, even Christianity, that's for the weak. That's for people who can't do it themselves, so they come together because they need God. And to that, we give a hearty amen. amen. That's exactly why we've come together. We are created. We have a creator. We need him. We don't have enough breath without him. Even if you don't believe in God, the, even if you hate God, the very breath you have right now comes from the very one you hate. So yes, I mean, it's, it's the core problem in our lives is our pride that says we can do this on our own. We can't. We need God. And the beauty of the Bible is God is generous and ready not just to forgive. He's ready to help, ready to provide. And so he invites his children to come before him and say, ask, seek, find. Ask, it'll be given you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. He's generous. So let's ask. God, I ask you to. God, I ask you for. Here's what I want us to do in the next few minutes. And again, try to make this kind of personal. Like what are one, two, three, and four, maybe five, whatever comes to your mind, things that you are asking God for right now? Asking God to do ways you're asking God to help. And it, it could be in your life. could be in someone else's life. God, I ask you to do this, to ask you for this, and fill in the blank. Just to say that as a child before God our Father. And again, if you still don't believe in God, here's what I would encourage you to write down. Imagine that there is, just imagine, there is an all-good, all-powerful, all-loving, perfect God. How would you want him to help you right now? Just do a thought exercise in which you imagine an all-good, all-powerful, all-loving, perfect God does exist, and he loves you, and he wants to help you, what would you ask for? Just kind of step into those shoes for a second, and along the way, maybe see what that says about what's on your heart and about who you are. So let's lift up these prayers, these requests to God, asking God for things as we write them down all across this room, other locations, online. Let's do this. Press in. We're, we're coming near the end, but ask. Let's be bold in our asking. Go for it.
oh God, so many things on our hearts and our minds to ask for. And, and we ask them boldly with trust that you can do all these things that are good. And we trust you that if it's not good, what we've asked, that you are wise enough to redirect our desires just like a, I do sometimes as a dad here. I know what my child is asking for is not good for them. God, we say redirect our, our desires. We want what you want because we know what you want is best. And so we lay all these things before you with faith that you are able and you will do everything that is best for us. And good for all those who love you and have been called according to your purpose and good for your purpose in the world. So we, we say we trust in you as we lay all these things before you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this, this leads right into, we're totally out of time, uh, but uh, I want us to, this is why we need a quarter of the day for part one, <laughs> not like an hour and a half for everything. So, uh, okay, anyway, final part of our pray, acrostic, praise, repent, ask, yield. And this is where Nehemiah 9 ends. Verse 38, because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names, uh, oops, I thought I had it up here. Here we go. On the sealed document are the names of our prince, our Levites, and our priests. So they write down a covenant here. It leads into chapter 10 where they say, God, here's all the ways we want to follow you specifically. We want to obey your commands. And specific ways we, need, we know we need to do that. So that's where we come to this why, yield. And kids, that's, maybe that word's a bit more confusing. It's basically like saying to someone else, I'm, I'm going to let you be in control. And that's what we're saying in prayer to God. My life is yours. All these things I laid before you, I trust you with them. And everything in my life, I just want to follow you. And that's where things get really specific in Nehemiah 10. And all kinds of different ways they're going to follow and trust God. And so across all our lives, here's what I want to invite us to do. I want us to write out prayers like this. This is where we're going to close. God, I trust you with, or God, I will follow you in this or that specific way, or God, I surrender. And there's other ways these prayers might be expressed, but basically, before we leave this assembly as God's people together to say, God, my life is yours. So, so let's write these prayers out. And I, I would add, for those who still aren't willing to say that to God, maybe write down what's keeping you from saying this to God or what's hard about saying that or what makes you feel uncertain about saying that or what questions might even that bring up for you. Maybe even somebody you'd, willing, you'd be willing to talk with about those questions. They're really important questions to ask. They're even more important questions to answer. So let's pray in these ways as God leads. So God, I trust you with. God, I will follow you. I'll surrender this, that. So let's write these prayers out for just a couple minutes and then I'll close us out. Go for it.
As you keep, as you keep writing, I, I just want to thank you for leaning in during this time like you have. And I'm going to close this in prayer, but I, I want to encourage you, if you don't already have an intentional way where you are pursuing intimacy with God in your life on a daily basis, I want to encourage you to consider tomorrow morning sitting down five minutes, ten minutes, maybe more, but just read a chapter of the Bible. Follow along in our Bible reading plan. You can download that at mclanebible.org slash prayers, one or two chapters. Read that and then just write down any thoughts, reflections, especially as you think about your life. And then write out any prayers based on what comes to mind. So it's not you have to go through, okay, now it's P-R-A-Y. Like when I'm spending my time with the Lord in the morning, it's this combination of all the above at different points. So, but just, just see. Try that this week and see what that does to, to draw you closer to God. Like, I'm so zealous for you to experience intimacy with God. I don't go through church motions and years of a Christian life apart from intimacy with God. Relationship with Him, life in Him. You're not living if you're not walking with God, experiencing communion with God each day, more than just a, a prayer here and there, like just to spend concentrated time with the one who loves you more than anyone else and who knows what is best for your life. Oh God, I pray this over all of us as your assembled people. Pray this for my life, but specifically right now for every single person within the sound of my voice that they would experience closeness to you through Jesus, intimacy with you and your word and communion with you. Draw them, draw us together closer to you, we pray. We, we we want to take our place in the long line of those who've walked with you before us, going all the way back to Nehemiah 9 and before. And we praise you for the privilege you've given us to be a part of this line. So help us to step fully into it, to live fully in what you've made possible for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people who agree with this said, Amen. Amen. Amen.